Blog Talk Radio. The following is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Dresmick Wicked is lonely on the lead. He's up by four on the outside. Don't tell me again. Cutting into the margin, but it's Mick Wicked four years later back at the top of the sport. Homicide Hunter who sweeps past on the outside. Homicide Hunter trotting into the finish. It's Homicide Hunter who will hit the line. 148 and 4, the fastest trotter ever. Dewey did done good down the boulevard of broken dreams. Walker Meister coming at him. Walker Meister on the outside getting the best of him. Walker Meister in front. Giddy Three wide, all bets off. They're at the top of the stretch. Rocket Ron turns first in the Battle of Lake Erie. On the outside, bit of a legend. Rocket Ron, bit of a legend. On the outside, bit of a legend. This year's battle champion, 23 and 1. Homeward bound in Gold Cup and Soccer, 59. Somewhere, Pensy, rocking in heaven. Rose Run Quest is there. Here is the French connection. The alerts have won it. Fine. Twinkle takes aim in the passing lane. Now Caviar Alley in full gear outside. Sharton start a feeling. Caviar Alley all out. Sharton digging deep. Sharton's going to dig in here and get the win here. Sharton up on the front end. Then none shall pass for Tim Dietrich. Giddy-up. You're tuned in to the official podcast of the Sport of Harness Racing Post Time with Mike and Mike with co-host Mike Carter. Foiled again! Holds on to win! Foiled again, tough as nails! And Mike Bozich. The Iron Horse has cemented his legacy! Touch that dial. It's another action-packed week of post style with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the United States Trotting Association. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And Mike, I'll tell you what, man, I don't know why I return to a place that uh, hurts my face, where the wind hurts my face. I, I have no clue why I came back. Got a little spoiled down in Florida. A little isn't even the word for it, my friend. But uh, I'll tell you what, what a week, what a whirlwind week the two of us had. I was in Florida, and you, my friend, I told you I had a surprise for you. For those of you who don't know, our man Mike Bozich called the races at the Meadowlands uh, the other night. And uh, you know what, let, let, let's take it back to that night for two seconds here. Run at the end for J.K. Wildfire. Bucky's Dynasty moves out four wide, about to come five wide. Annihilation in the stretch. Wise images game. Sharp action money tries to sustain. Lion Steel on the outside. J.K. Wildfire's looking for room. Bucky's Dynasty's trying to kick enemy is now. Inside Wise Image. Outside Lion Steel. Bucky's Dynasty. Furious finish coming with Lion Steel. Lion Steel going first of all. Bucky's Dynasty. So I got to ask, my friend, how the heck did you name all those horses? That's all I got to say. 
Well, you know what? First of all, let me say that was a lot of fun, and thanks to everybody at the Meadowlands for having me over the weekend. Uh, you know, really good group there with Dave Brower, Ken Morkinton, and the. You know, in the reason I was there, they kind of had to go to the B team, Mike, because the A team was down in your neck of the woods collecting all the awards. <laughs> Hollywood Hayden, uh, Dave Little, all them guys. That, uh, but no, Mike, it was it was a blast. And you know, to to be able to stand in the same place, and and you've done it before, because I know you've you've called there before with baby races and that. But you know what? To be able to stand in the same place where Sam McKee stood, you know, Ken Warkington. Just an, an unbelievable feeling, and uh, I'll tell you what, it was it was a lot of fun and uh, very very humbling experience. I could tell you. Well, you know, and the one thing about that announcers booth, Mike, is, is just how, the sight lines and how good they are. I mean, you walk mm-hmm. into some announcers booths and you're scared to death to call races there because you you know how difficult it is to call races at some places, and then you walk into the Meadowlands booth and the sight lines are just absolutely fantastic easy to see and uh it sounded like you had some fun out there that's for sure yeah and you know you brought up a good point we were talking off the air uh yesterday and you brought up a good point about uh you know announcers you know having to deal with different things and it's it's different from racetrack to racetrack kind of like you know driving a horse and everything like that it's different from racetrack to racetrack and the thing that and i was kind of used to it when i did a little bit of cal expo is the how loud it is outside and you know when you have the windows open that it's it's not really feedback but you're hearing that echo like really pronounced and (laughs) you know you and you have to adjust to that because if if you're not used to it it could definitely throw you off i can imagine i mean that's one thing that you know i like to be able to hear myself um talk in my headset but if it's off by any sort of the word, then it kind of throws me off a little bit. Yeah, now see at Harris, I have no problem like that at all, and I know at Northfield, in Northfield you don't either because you're enclosed and you can't hear the echo from the outside. This is true, very true. Yes. So, but but like I say, I do like to hear myself a little bit. Basically, and the reason I do is because I just want to know I'm on. You know, <laughs> or, or really, I you mean, got, you got to so, tell. Okay. Wait a minute. The, the reason you want to know you're on is why. You got to tell the story now, real quick. It's a short story. You got to tell the story of why you want to know why you're on. <laughs> let's save it. Let let's save it. Oh, come let, on. Let, let's save it. Let's. Save it. But 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 no. It's it's important, and I'll tell you why. Now at Harris, okay, uh, you really can't hear anything from there, even though they've got a really good sound system there, and it's it's really good if you go onto the patio and outside. But uh, when you're up in that booth, you're six floors up. You know, you can't hear the feedback down there. You can't hear like the echo down there. So, right. and and I have a headset to where it's not like you're not your ears aren't you know muffed. You, I mean, I keep the TV up just a little bit to know when I'm on, just a little bit, just enough to know, just enough to hear that feedback. There's not a delay or anything, but just enough to know that I'm on. But it's interesting, different booths, you know, different situations. But real quick, and I know we got Gordon coming up here in just a minute. Enough talking about me. Let's talk about your weekend, buddy, because (laughs) you had a whirlwind. It actually was a week. It wasn't even a weekend. It was more of like a week. And uh, you guys were doing a lot of work for the Harness Racing Fan Zone. I know putting up videos, you guys visited a lot of training centers. And uh, you actually got to uh, 
do some training with uh, Mr. Alania. That had to be a thrill. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it went out on the USTA uh, Facebook page. And, you know, one thing about Tony is he's not shy to put you behind one of his good horses. I actually rode behind Escape the Beach, which was in the same set as Tall Drink Hanover and Captain Ahab. Uh, it was just an amazing, amazing ride and really exhilarating. If you haven't checked it out, head to the United States Trotting Association's Facebook page or uh, my personal Facebook page. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you got a lot of good information. I mean, you guys got a really good interview with Brian Brown, a couple other good interviews as well. But, uh, you know, you guys, uh, and then it was kind of switched right into Dan Patch mode, right into awards mode, uh, where you guys did a lot of work in uh, getting things set up for the uh, Ushua Awards. So give us your thoughts, Mike, your thoughts on the Ushua Awards. What are some of the things that, you know, stood out to you a little bit, maybe in terms of, you know, speeches or what have you? Well, I, I'm only saying this because he's waiting on the line. What he did was the worst kept secret in the world. I think everybody knew. No, I'm just kidding, Gordon. When we come I didn't on, know. <laughs> listen, when we when he comes on, he's gonna bust me for that one. But that was probably the highlight of the night for a lot of people was seeing uh, world champion foiled again come in and quote unquote accept his proximity award. That was probably one of the cooler things that uh, we got to see. Uh, uh, Mark Hall, who I work with personally, uh, Mike was a lot of fun to watch as well, and so was Heather Vitali. If you didn't see her speech, you need to go watch it. That's all I can say. <laughs> she wanted to thank all of her future ex-husbands. That was good. She, I'll tell you what. She, how good is she for the sport of harness racing? I mean, one of those people that just like when she enters the room, it like it just lifts everything up. I mean, she is so genuine. It is so cool to have her as a part of the harness racing team. Or she, uh, she's a firecracker, definitely, and that was uh, her her entrance music. They have like the WWE type style entrance music when you come up, and that was her entrance song. And that's who she is. Uh, she's full of energy, she's full of life, and she's a lot of fun. All right, well, let's uh, get to this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USDA. Great show coming up. Uh, Hall of Famer, HarnessRacing.com's Gordon Waterstone is uh, in the on deck circle. We're going to talk about. Uh, the just the coup that he pulled off at the Yushua Awards. I mean, just an unbelievable thing, getting foiled again to the uh, – I was going to say to the racetrack, but to the award show. And, uh, definitely unprecedented, and we're going to talk to Gordon about that. Plus, uh, Ushua President Sean Wiles is going to join us. We're going to get his take on the Dan Patch Awards. Scott Warren, the brand-new racing secretary at the Meadowlands. How about that? Good for a guy that, Mike, we know very well and uh, a real hard worker, great announcer, multi-talented. We're going to have uh, Scott Warren on the show as well. Plus, uh, Casey Coleman. Listen, we can't talk uh, enough McWicked, and we're going to talk even more McWicked coming up towards the top of the hour with trainer Casey Coleman. All that is coming up next on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USTA. At Bet America, we don't do promotions only for new players. As a regular player at BetAmerica.com, you can take advantage of several promotions each week. Go to BetAmerica.com slash extra and visit our promotions calendar and find out how you can get double wager reward points on our featured tracks. It's just another reason why it's time to play the Bet America way. New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Retrain, rehab, rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. 
Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. You're tuned in to the Bet America Radio Network. Host Jason Bean brings you new shows every Monday through Friday. We bring you the best personalities from across the racing world with extensive interviews, commentary, news, games, and more. The barn is revolutionizing what horse racing radio can be. And you can hear new shows at BetAmerica.com or just search Bet America Radio Network on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. Get in the barn. Welcome back to the Bet America Radio Network. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. This is Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by the USTA and Bet America. And Mike, I'll tell you one thing about the next guest that we're going to have on is we know he can keep a secret, that's for sure. Well, he's a Hall of Famer. He is a Hall of Famer. And uh, yeah, th- this was, I'll tell you, this was unbelievable. Th- this was really a cool thing that he did. And it I, it is easily is easily the moment of the 2019 Usher Awards. Like last year, we had Ric Flair. This year, we had uh, Harness Racing's Brightest Star. Well, listen, Gordon, I, I got to ask you, who would you be more uh, nervous to give a speech in front of? Because I had to do it. Give a speech in front of Ric Flair or give a speech in front of Foiled again? Uh, I'd be oh, way more nervous in front of Foiled again. Way more. <laughs> well, <laughs> because let, because let, as as special as the horse is and on the track and what we saw here and, and the way he way he uh, uh reacted with all those people flocking around him, uh the horse is smart. I think I think he knows what's going on and, and understands what you'd be saying. So I wouldn't want to say the wrong thing. Now now talk to us a little bit about kinda how this kinda came about. I know this was uh took took a little bit of planning, but uh, how did this all come about? Well, Michael, first first place, I know I heard your comment earlier, and I just think you're mad you didn't think of it yourself. So, I know that so. <laughs> you're right about that. You're right. <laughs> so, and it was just a simple thing, and, and people are giving me way too much credit on this thing. You know, all I did is is get the ball rolling back in December uh, when it was announced, and, uh, and and with secured the with the hotel, talked to Ronnie Burke and Mark Weaver. They were fully on board, and the idea was that it was going to be kept a secret. Because that was the only way this was going to go over as big as it did, and it went way over what I thought. There was only a few people that knew uh, on Ushua's side, even. So once we proceeded to keep it a secret, I mean, geez, uh, Ronnie didn't even want to tell his, his dad, Mickey, uh, anything. That was just that was it, and and we wanted nothing orchestrated uh, at all. There was no need for for anything. We just wanted to let it flow just the way it it, it fell. You know, when when the plan was even for me to interrupt uh, uh, the the speaker on the stage, which at first was Ronnie, and then went to Joe, I thought about telling people like Roger Houston did years ago when at Delaware, Ohio, when he when Falcon Seals to race, everybody got on your feet. I wanted to tell everybody, better get your smartphone ready. And I said, I don't even want to do that. This is going to be totally spontaneous, and whatever happens happens. And you saw the magic that happened. It was unbelievable. It was, it was. Now I wasn't there. I had to watch it on the the live stream. But but even on the live stream, and 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 I didn't know anything about it. It was it was certainly a big shock to me and a surprise to me. And of course, then I'm thinking to myself, how in the heck did they get did they get this thing together? Because this, I mean, this had to be. I mean, we're talking about bringing a horse into a hotel. 
is basically what we're talking about here. But let's talk about the emotions uh, in the moment that, that he came out. And I know you interrupted uh, Joe Corey and uh, – it, Joe didn't know, right? Joe did not know. The only people that knew on the Burke side were, were Ronnie, Ronnie, Mark Weaver, and, of course, Devin Miller, who was spectacular. I mean, they couldn't have picked a better person to do it. Uh, uh, she came out. It was so graceful and everything, and, and, I, and she was nervous. <laughs> talk about all went, but, Gordon, Gordon talk, talk about the atmosphere in the room when Foyle again stepped out. Well, it was it was, it was – Unbelievable. I, I mean, I didn't expect it. Uh, uh, and I'm going to have a full story in our next magazine of behind the scenes what, what happened because, uh, as you said, it was, a, it was an effort to do it. It was, it was mostly an effort to keep it secret. But uh, all the little things that we had to you know, make sure that, uh, that the word didn't get out. And you could just see, I've seen the videos. I've seen people jump up. You could see the videos of all the people you, uh, jumping up and pointing and like, oh, my God, the, you know, foiled again is here, is here. So uh, everybody, you know, even Joe Corey's reaction when I, when I sprinted on the, onto the stage because he, he started speaking quicker than I thought he was going to. So I, I, I had a, a run across so he didn't get too far into his speech. So and then uh, the people flocking, it was, you know, it was like it was like a rock star. Now, Gordon, I have to ask, how in the world did you guys, number one, convince them to allow this to go down? And number two, how did he come in? Because I helped setting that room up uh, a little bit earlier in the day with the gift bags and stuff. I, I, don't, I never saw a door for a horse to come into. <laughs> well, I, you're going to have to read that in my story, Mike. You, you, know, you can't, can't, give, can't give away everything, but uh, okay. I'll, just, I'll, just say, I'll just say that, you know, I mean, you know, this is a big banquet hall. There's lots of doors in the back. There's things on a uh, you know, I mean, they had an they had an elephant there uh, a few years ago for a wedding, but that was outside on the patio. So I didn't know whether they were going to allow a horse or not. You know, I you know some places don't, and and they did. So and that's when I learned about the elephant being on the ground. So outside, and there's plenty of area. I don't know if you went back and walked behind the stage. So it was all perfect. The big black curtain was able to keep keep uh, the horse behind. If if you happened to uh, Winnie or anything else that we knew the sound was gonna was gonna <laughs> block that out, the people couldn't couldn't hear. It was just it was just the whole thing. The whole moment worked out perfectly. Ronnie, were, the, the the Devin was right there at the edge, ready to walk out with with uh, foiled again at perfect timing. It just it just went down, and Ronnie and the surprise. Everybody they couldn't have been happier. Ronnie was so tickled the way it all went down, and like I said. It all went down better than than we thought. I mean, I saw a couple comments out there that it was the greatest moment in in uh, any award history, human or equine. And I think that's pushing it a little bit. But uh, it, w- it was a moment I'll never forget. And I'm just glad that you know I could just there was just a small role. Like I said, I just got the ball rolling. It was it was the f- the few people: Moyer Fanning, Tim Bojarski, Sean Wiles, uh, and Barry Lefkowitz, and myself on our side, on the Ushua side, and Mark and Ronnie to keep it quiet. That was the that was the key thing. You know, don't spill the beans, and it was easy. I mean, nobody came to us. I mean, it was just I got one email ahead of time, but I kept waiting. Someone's got to bring it up, Someone, and it never happened. No one ever yeah, suggested it. So we got out, you know, and it, 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 as, the day, as we got to the weekend, then a couple of people started, you know, I heard a couple of things saying, geez, too bad Foyle was going to be here. Too, I think people were expecting that if he was, that we'd have made some major announcement, but that didn't happen. Visiting with Hall of Famer Gordon Waterstone. Gordon, what uh, what they did with Foiled again in his last year in uh, 2018 with the tour, 
um, and the autographs and just all the things going to all these different racetracks, big or small, giving all the racing fans an opportunity to see foiled again in the flesh. What a great thing for the sport of harness racing that the Burks and, uh, you know, the ownership group uh, with that horse have done and really turned him into a superstar. What do you think that meant for the sport of harness racing for Foiled again to do that in his last year of racing? Oh, it, it was just tremendous. I mean, I, I, I remember uh, Ramming Willie when he toured. I was the PR director at Hazel Park, and we had him come out to the track, and he signed the hoofographs, I guess you'd call them, and the, and the people flocked. Uh, this was this was even more. I mean, just to, to watch him travel and, and read the stories of, of him just standing there uh, and meeting and greeting the fans. I watched him at Delaware, Ohio. He stood for hours taking pictures. I took my picture of him there, and uh, it was just a great thing. I mean, you can remember that you know the Burks they 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 shipped him all over the place. Uh, they paid for all that. They donated uh, most of the money back to whether it was a fair or to charities. So the, the and purse money wasn't even going into their account. It was going back back into the industry, into the fairs, and as I said. And I think this is the way they wanted to repay the industry and to keep it a secret like this and, and make it a surprise and make it something cool as it happened. So, I, you know, I can't thank them enough for, for, for all they did. Now, Gordon, let's talk a little bit about the uh, resort itself, the Rose and Shingle Creek. This was the second year that the United States Harness Raiders Association had the banquet there. And, and talk to us a little bit about the place itself and how nice it was. As I tell you, it was a fun, fun environment to be in. It's a great place. I mean, uh, last year, or, you know, for the first year we were there, and it was an immediate response to go right back. Uh, it's uh, all the pools and the restaurants. There's no reason to leave it. Usually when I go to a, one of these dinners, I want to get away from the place for a few days. I had no need to even go away. I stayed on the grounds, and uh, the response has been unbelievable. And, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to give away any secret. The response was so great to go back again that uh, I already have a contract back from the hotel to go back again next year. So you can mark down the, the date, Sunday, February 23rd right now. We haven't signed it, but uh, that's going to be the plans. Good you know, stuff. Just, uh, everything is great. Good I mean, stuff. it's a top-class service re- place. Right from the right from the time you you pull up, it's it's impressive to look at. You walk in the door, it's impressive there. The, everything and the customer service is first class. Can't say enough about the people at Rosen Shingle Creek. Gordon, you're going to be uh, you mentioned you're going to be writing an article about uh, some of the behind-the-scenes things with uh, at Ushua, the the Ushua Awards and foiled again. Where can we find it if anybody wants to uh, check it out? Well, it'll be in the March 13th issue of the Horseman and Fair World magazine. So I've been working on it for a couple of days now. In fact, uh, uh, trying to write it last night, uh, I decided I wanted to rewrite the whole thing. So I was in the office at 6:45 this morning, getting trying to get that done. So uh, and off the table because I, you know, well, you know, you like you want to do something right. You know, people are going to read it, uh, and I wanted to, I wanted to tell the story properly. So. Uh, we're, we're going to be good to go. I like I like the way it's it's turned out now. So uh, that that'll be available and and to, for reading at that time. All right, Gordon, the Hall of Famer, Gordon Waterstone. Listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Great work. Uh, it was a fantastic moment. A moment I don't think anybody uh, is going to forget very soon. No, I, I know I know I won't. I mean, there's been some magical moments. Julie Crone riding Moneymaker at the Red Mile comes to mind. But I was there as a fan, as a as, as a worker. You know, to have just like I said, a small row. All I did is make the first phone call, and from there, Ronnie and Ronnie Burke and Mark Weaver made it happen on their end. I mean, they ended up with 48 people at the dinner, I believe the count is, and they did that without telling anybody. I mean, 
you know, I mean, Mark had his brother Dave Weaver from CBG fly all the way across the country with his wife and, and daughter and didn't tell him why, but he kept insisting. I mean, that, that was the, the things that happened. They were able to, to do that, too, to have everybody enjoy the moment and everybody have it as a secret so they could be even more surprised. And it, it, it worked. It worked like a charm. Good stuff. Well, thanks, Gordon. We certainly appreciate it, buddy. All right. No problem, guys. Great to have him. Great talking to you. All right, that was the Hall of Famer, Gordon Waterstone. And uh, Mike, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely going to be a moment that's going to go down in the history of harness racing moments, you know. I mean, I, I definitely a top ten moment, probably a top five moment, I think, in the sport of harness racing to this point. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Barry Abrams is actually going to be talking about what happened on Sunday night on his ESPN radio podcast. Uh, so yeah. make sure you check that out from Barry Abrams. Yeah, made ESPN. Yeah, that's uh, good, good stuff. All right, listen, we got more left to come on this edition of Post Down with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Another superstar, Mike, that made ESPN the uh, horse of the year, not only in Canada, but in the United States. Mick Wicked. It's good to see some older horses getting some love, boy. What a great year for older campaigners, Mike, with Foiled again and Mick Wicked. Mick Wicked will race at eight. That's fantastic news. So uh, we're going to talk to Casey Coleman uh, in a few minutes, plus Sean Wiles. We'll be joining us as well as we continue our recap of the Ushua Awards. And how about the new Meadowlands Race Secretary, Mike Scott Warren? He's going to be joining us as well. You've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Back in a moment. And the USTA. Winback Farms welcomes three new stallions in 2019. New to New York, Boston Red Rocks, one of the 2015 Dan Patch Award for two-year-old pacing colts, and a Breeders' Crown champion. New to Pennsylvania, 34-time winner Heston Blue Chip, one of the Dan Patch Awards for three-year-old colt pacers, and a Breeders' Crown champion. Also the sire of the second richest two-year-old Philly pacer of 2018, Zero Tolerance. And new to Ontario, my MVP, a proven sire of stakes winners, including Good Times Trot winner Wolfgang. For more information, go to winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Post time, gates moving. They're off and it is on. Every year, the Harness Horse Youth Foundation travels the country to share the love of harness racing with the next generation. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation educates, introducing youth to new friends and opportunities. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Learn how you can support bringing kids and horses together, building a stronger future for the sport. Visit hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org. We're back. 
back to this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the United States Trotting Association. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And I'll tell you about the powerhouse from the United States Harness Riders Association, Mike. We're about to have the man himself, Sean Wiles, on. Yeah, Sean uh, certainly has done a lot for the sport of harness racing, and uh, he's uh, a top of the Rouge one. He is uh, one of the few that knew about the foiled again. Uh, <laughs> I, I like to call it a coup because I'll tell you, if you, you pull something like that off, and, and listen, I can't wait to read Gordon's article because, uh, you know, there, there was a lot of work that went into that. I mean, a lot more work than I think uh, Gordon was even putting on. I mean, just, you know, getting a horse into a hotel and the insurance things and, and, and keeping it a secret probably uh, from a majority of the people had to be worked because, you know, Mike, let's be honest, this is harness racing. You can't, you can't snap your fingers in a room by yourself without the harness <laughs> racing world knowing about it. Put it that way. This is very true. Well, listen, Sean, how did you guys manage to keep this thing a secret for so long? Well, it's kind of like the old backstretch uh, verbiage, you know, tell nobody nothing. Um, it was a very uh, tight uh, group of people who who knew it. And, you know, hats off to Gordy Waterstones for facilitating it. Um, you know, it, it was just, it was a wow with Foil again. I mean, it was definitely a night that uh, people would be talking about for years. And, you know, looks on the people's faces, uh, you know, as the horse came in the room, you know, like the who's who of harness racing in the room. It, it was just unbelievable, their facial expressions. Um, it, it was such a great night. It was such a great night. It, it'll, be a, it'll be a tough one to top, i got to tell you that one. I mean, I think the last time it happened was uh, Rambling Willie back in the late 70s or early 80s. You know, the usual awards uh, are known for moments. I think a lot of awards shows, I mean, like whether – it doesn't even have to do with harness racing. It doesn't have to do with harness racing necessarily, but I think award shows are made by moments, and moments stick out, and, and uh, you know, that's what people remember about it. And I think, you know, this one is obviously going to be the, uh, the thing that people remember about the 2019 Usher Awards. But, you know, as big of an undertaking as that was putting that all together – this whole the whole award show is a big undertaking putting it together i mean getting people out there and and just a lot of the little things that it takes to put together something like this tell us a little bit about what it takes for you guys behind the scenes the undertaking like when does it start when does the planning start things of that sort well i, I agree with you it takes a lot of hard work from uh, a lot of good people that uh, you know that goes goes into the planning and the preparing for for a big uh, event like that, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. Um, you know, we usually um, get going right after the divisional honors are named. We start gearing up, you know, then we know who the horses are and the connections are. So, you know, we can start advertising and selling journals. Um, so I would say, like, from the, from the middle of December right up until the dinner, it's really a breakneck pace. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. The two weeks prior to that, um, the emails and the phone calls and, you know, just the uh, detail to uh, logistics is—it's—it's uh, it's a lot more than I had envisioned on the outside looking in. Now I'm at the helm. I can certainly understand and even more so uh, appreciate all the hard work uh, that goes into uh, goes into it on on so many levels, either from the journal committee and the sponsorship committee and the dinner committee. Um, like I said before, we've got a lot of great people who do a lot of good work, and, and without their efforts, um, you know, it would be tough to pull off a first-class event like that. 
Sean, let's kind of talk about the weekend a little bit and uh, what went on on Saturday and Sunday. Obviously, we had the directors meeting on Saturday where a few things were kind of changed around a little bit. And then it led into the general membership uh, meeting on Sunday. Yes, uh, this year uh, we didn't have too many items that were too contentious. As you know, in the past, those meetings tend to be a little bit uh, laborious. Um, but like I said, there wasn't uh, too much stuff that you know really rocked the boat. We did some uh, internal housekeeping items um, and addressed a couple issues. Um, but all in all, I thought it went very well. Um, they went very quick. I was happy about that. I think as as everybody else was, uh, we've got a few committees that we need to tinker a little bit and fine tune, uh, you know, and try to improve things. You know, we're always uh, we're always trying to better ourselves and the organization and some of the policies and procedures that we put forward. Visiting with Usher is Sean Wiles. Uh, Sean, let's talk about uh, the dinner in particular. Now, obviously, we know foiled again was a was a big moment, uh, but you know there were some other moments as well, some other great speeches, uh, some other cool things happening. Um, what are what were some of the other takeaways uh, that you felt kind of highlighted the show on Sunday? You know, I thought we had a bevy of great honorees: Chris Gooden, Marcus Melander, you know, Dave Little, and Ted Gertz. Um, you know, and then we had Heather and Heather on the red carpet. Um, the silent auction items this year I thought were spectacular. We had both quantity and quality. You know, hats off to Alan Taylor and the Harness Hearth Youth Foundation for, for spearheading that. Um, it's a fundraiser for them. Um, and our proceeds this year, I think, uh, were the highest they ever were, as were the journal and the uh, the sponsorship committee. So, you know, I, I think coupled with the great honorees that we had um, – uh, made it that much easier for us to uh, move ahead and get some good support and the support of everybody. And, you know, as far as going back to uh, that same venue next year, uh, there's a very good chance the, that that may happen. And, you know, we'd like to try to incorporate uh, possibly uh, HHI into it next year. We'll certainly extend an invitation to uh, the USGA to get some synergy between everybody. Um, but it's it's a great venue. I know people who went there for Oshawa last year liked it so much that when they returned to Florida, they went to the same uh, venue. It's kind of like one of those all-inclusive places where you really don't even have to leave the property. There's seven or eight restaurants there, um, a lot of pools. Um, it was great. And, of course, you know, when you have horses that you're honoring, like McWicked, who was an absolute monster last year, and, you know, we saw perfection from Woodside Charm and, and Chimpanzee, you know, when you honor the right people and the right horses, it's uh, it's usually the nucleus to uh, get people to come together. And our attendance is very well as well, uh, very good as well. Yeah, Sean, the uh, HHYF auction was really cool to kind of be a part of, uh, at least for us anyway. Uh, it was the first time we'd put something in there. And, and you know, I, I noticed at least this year the the room, you know, it uh, seems fuller. Attendance seems to be growing at these things, and it, uh, it definitely makes it a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I know uh, you had a good time this year as well. <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> you know, here, here's the thing about the Rose and Shingle Creek, and Mike, I know you've never been there, but when, when they say you don't have to leave, I mean, Sh- Sean will tell you, there's probably, what, five restaurants within that first main strip. Um, you know, you go downstairs, there's all those hospitality rooms. I mean, there's a restaurant downstairs for breakfast. This place is massive. It's incredible. It really is. It really is. Definitely want to go back next year too, and you know there, 
they're soliciting us as well. You know, they approach us on Monday. You know, we'd like to have your return. But, you know, we'll leave that up to the hands of the capable uh, location committee to, to vet that and have some uh, thorough discussion on that next year. Visiting with Sean Wiles. Sean, one of the questions that I get a lot from uh, harness racing fans, um, you know, that may not necessarily know about the inner workings of the business is how the Hall of Fame works, how uh, people get, uh, you know, inducted, how they get nominated, things of that sort. And and uh, can, can you kind of shed some light on how that uh, particular process works? Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, all the member or the chapters uh, have their individual Ushua meetings. Um, they put together their honorees and then send them to national. Um, once we comprise that list, um, the integrity screening committee will vet that list, um, make sure there's no integrity issues, and then we vote on them. So we can only um, look to put in the people that have made the, the slate of nominees. Um, in the past, we've been bashed a little bit because certain people weren't on the, the, the list, but it's up to the rank and file to provide the screening committee with those lists to go forward with. Um, once that list is set, um, the committee has a meeting in Goshen prior to meeting with the uh, Hall of Fame trustees, and we have some some spirited debate to take that list, and we'll whittle it down to um, the cream of the crop, and then we take that list and uh, present it to the trustees and ask them uh, for their input. Spirited debate. How, how spirited do these debates get every once in a while? <laughs> uh, last year was pretty uh, pretty spirited. <laughs> Very much so. All right. Well, listen, Sean, we certainly appreciate you joining us. We appreciate what you do for the sport of harness racing. It certainly is a labor of love putting these uh, award shows and all the things you do together. So we certainly appreciate that. And this was a complete home run with uh, Foiled again and uh, just the whole darn thing. It was really, really cool, Sean, and we certainly appreciate it. Appreciate your kind words, fellas. Have a good day. All right. That was Sean Wiles from Ushua. And uh, I got to tell you what, man, that, you know, we, we keep talking about this foiled again thing, but, uh, and I'm anxious, really anxious to read Gordon's uh, article coming out in the, uh, the, the uh, horseman and fair world, because I want to see what some of the things that it took to, 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 to get foiled again there, just the logistics, working it out. It, it had to be a gargantuan task. Oh, for sure. I mean, when you look at it, think about this for a minute, okay? You have to bring a horse into a hotel. Mm-hmm. Imagine the kind of liability there is there. You wouldn't see that at the Eclipse Awards, that's for sure. Well, you know, and, and here's the thing, okay? Like like we know, we, we've followed Foiled again throughout his career, but in particular in 2018, Mike, and we – you know, we're alongside of him. We held him. We petted him. We've, you know, we've we've been right with him a lot of the way. And he he is a complete professional. Okay, he handles it. He knows what he's doing. You know, he's used to people. He's used to the limelight, things of that sort. But still, there has to be that unpredictability factor. That, that right. this, you know, I mean, it's the old adage: what can go wrong will go wrong and there's certainly potential for things to go wrong when you bring a horse into a hotel oh for sure i mean you know he could kick somebody he could bite somebody anything could potentially happen uh while he's there and you know he was just the calm old fellow that he was he's just relaxed but there's always that inherent risk on those things 
Yeah, absolutely. But uh, nonetheless, uh, certainly hats off to them people and, uh, you know, hats off to everybody that made that happen because I thought that was cool. We're talking McWicked next, Mike, and, uh, you know, McRicked, um Horse of the Year, just so many things that, Mike, you can say about this particular horse, you know, oldest pacer in history to win the, the Horse of the Year. You know, what was he the oldest horse in like 40-some years uh, to to uh, be atop the seasonal earnings, Mark? Um, just so many different things you could say about McWicked. And the, the best thing that I could say about McWicked is we will see him again next year, Mike. That is cool. Yeah, for sure. It uh, was a lot of fun kind of sitting down talking with Casey Coleman while we were in Florida. And I'm really interested to see uh, what she has to say following her Horse of the Year award uh, this past Sunday. All right, so Casey Coleman's going to join us, plus the brand-new race secretary at the Meadowlands, Scott Warren, and much more left on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USTA. At Bet America, we don't do promotions only for new players. As a regular player at BetAmerica.com, you can take advantage of several promotions each week. Go to BetAmerica.com slash extra and visit our promotions calendar and find out how you can get double wager reward points on our featured tracks. It's just another reason why it's time to play the Bet America way. Mike Bozich here along with Mike Carter for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a wheelchair or scooter? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application. If eligible, you may receive funding. Again, that's pacingforthecure.org. Mike? Are you a harness racing trainer, driver, or owner? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2017 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2018 challenge has begun and wins tally from January 1st through October 31st. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers, trainers, and owners. Once again, that's pacingforthecure.org. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USDA. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, as we continue our recap of the 2019, well, I guess, awards for 2018. So I guess you could say 2018, uh, Dan Patch Awards. And right now we're bringing in trainer Casey Coleman. Casey, of course, is the trainer of the Horse of the Year, McWicked. And Casey, before we talk a little bit about McWicked, I want to talk a little bit about Ed James. There was a real good article on the USTA today done by Ken Weingartner about owner Ed James, of course, owner of Mick Wicked. And uh, I, I saw, Casey, some really interesting quotes in there from Ed. And this has to be a dream for any trainer to have an owner like Ed, because basically he leaves all the decisions to you. He's very hands-off and he puts smart people in positions to succeed and make decisions. And that seems like the kind of guy that Ed is. And I know as a trainer, whenever you can get an owner like that, that you've got to appreciate it. 
Yeah, no doubt. He, uh, let's say, he definitely doesn't step in my, uh, he doesn't get in my way whatsoever. Whatever I want to do, be it what races I want to go to, uh, what driver, how I want to train him, vet work, whatever I want to do, he definitely doesn't step on my toes. And just uh, basically, I tell him this is where we're racing and this is what we're doing. And he's very, very good that way. Um, as a, let's say, as a three year old, he was never, ever an issue and let me do everything that I wanted to do. Um, now, saying that, obviously, as everybody knows, I, I raced him as a four year old and he, he did didn't have a good year he's saying that he made 200 grand but he didn't win a race so it wasn't really a great year um he was racing against the age horses that season and just couldn't do his thing so uh ed did decide to make a change and he left for about a year and a half when that happened and uh he ended up coming home again and uh everything's going good now but uh like i say when we didn't we didn't leave on hard feelings he just wanted to try a new trainer and uh said i'm gonna move the horse and he did and but now he's back and everything's going good now, Casey, let's talk a little bit about what it was like to bring him back in 2018. Obviously, uh, he had kind of fallen on hard, hard times a little bit, but boy, did he come back as a monster racehorse this year. Yeah, no doubt. And everybody that keeps saying that, how great he was this year, anybody that looks back at him at 2017, um, he had an awesome year that year, too, uh, once he come back home. I, I think it was somewhere around maybe July range. I can't remember exactly when he came home, but I think it was around July range, maybe. And I just started him at Mohawk and a couple of the opens and preferred there. And he, from the first start, we raced him back. I think he went in like 48 or something like that at Mohawk. He was just awesome. So he bounced right away. And what happened with him is uh, there's a lot of races now that you don't uh you're not eligible unless you've won so much money on the year so we entered for quite a few multiple races a couple of that were at the meadowlands and a few other races we entered we planned to race but because he didn't make enough money of the top 10 money earners on the year he didn't get in those races so he actually raced phenomenal last year also just uh he just wasn't in as many big races so people maybe didn't notice him as much and now this year he has the money on his card and he he hit all the big races and and did really well in all of them Visiting with trainer Casey Coleman, tra- trainer of Horse of the Year, McWicked. Uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about uh, McWicked. You said when you got him back in the uh, Ed James article by Ken Weingartner that uh, when you got him back, uh, you just kind of rigged him up. Uh, you kind of used the same equipment, the same kind of rigging when he was a three-year-old. Was that really all that was kind of involved when you got him back? Yeah, I like say I don't know. I never had him. I don't know what was going on for the time he was gone. I got no idea. But we just put him back to his regular routine. It was nothing special. Uh, shot him back the way I always shot him. He is very simple horse. He just wears horse steel shoes. It's nothing, nothing special. Um, and just his regular rigging. And again, he doesn't even really wear nothing. Um, so we just put his. I just found his whole gear. We threw it right back on him the way that we wore everything as a as a three year old. And same training program, which isn't nothing fancy. The horse just likes to jog five miles a day real slow and jog a couple, train a couple slow trips. And uh, there's nothing fancy about him whatsoever. I, I don't know what the reasoning was. Um, another thing that was different, uh, Ed started breeding the horse. He was doing double d- bre- double duty with breeding and racing. And he's he's a different horse from a three-year-old now. He's 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 a man. He's, he screams and roars, and you got to be on your toes around him. He's not mean, but you got to really watch him. Um, so that's different, whether that's something that helped him too i don't know um but he's like i said there was there was nothing nothing big that we needed to change he's quite an easy horse to train basically i always said pretty much anybody can train him we're just we're just lucky enough that ed give us the chance to train him because he's he's not a hard horse to manage and he did have some throat issues between four and five and that probably can explain some of his struggles that he had and and i know you didn't have the horse then but what were some of the the throat issues did were you were you aware of 
Yeah, after his four-year-old year uh, when we qualified him back, I think it was like his, his first qualifier, I remember he went really good. I believe it was like his second qualifier back his four-year-old year, and he didn't qualify good at all. I, uh, I wasn't happy with him. Um, so we scoped him right away, and sure enough, he was flipping his palate, um, and he needed throat surgery. So uh, me and Ed did have a little bit of a disagreement on which throat surgery he needed. Um, we ended up doing the one, obviously, Ed owns him, so we did the one that he suggested, and it ended up not doing the trick. He ended up, he was still having throat issues. Um, and from what I heard, when I didn't have him, he ended up getting the other throat surgery, the one that we did want to do in the first place. He got that one done. And I've had, knock on wood, I've had no issues with his breathing um anyone that sees him when he races his tongue's always hanging out we don't even tie it out he just does that on his own his tongues a lot of people tie tongues out on a on a horse with breathing issues which i do also with mick wicked i don't even have to tie it out because he literally just hangs his tongue out like that all by himself um but i've i've hardly had to do anything as far as his throat issues so the whoever did that second surgery there and did it everything's perfect now so um he hasn't had no issues that way well, Casey, let's kind of talk about uh, have you mapped out any sort of map or roadmap for him this year at all or when he may come back to the races? Um, he tra- he winter trains down at Pompano Park with Jimmy McDonald. He always does the winter training on the horse, and then once he's ready, he sends him up to me to race. Um, as far as I – he does all his staking also um, with Ed. I'm assuming he'll be fully staked in all the open events, I would think, same as last year. Um, I'm assuming he'll come to me sometime in May. That's kind of when it – usually he'll qualify him once or twice down here at Pompano and then send him to me, so I'm assuming it will be the same schedule. I talked to Jimmy at the awards banquet there. He told me he'd been in two. 35 with them he said everything's been great um and uh let's say i i would think we'll try to hit all the major stakes same as this year and um uh, i see no as long as he's sound and healthy um and racing competitive enough i would think we'll be at all the dances again this summer you know casey when when a horse gets laid off for the winter and then he comes back or she comes back you know uh, kind of set for all the stakes action i mean regardless whether and you're probably looking for different things i mean depending on age and and, and all that kind of stuff but what what are you looking for um in a in training miles leading up to the horse's return to the races that suggests that that horse is ready to go what are some of the things you look for well, with a horse like Wicked being the age he is and like a younger horse, it's totally different. Um, with a horse of Wicked being eight years old now, like basically, like I said, just keeping him sound and healthy, it's not going to take a whole lot of training to get him back in shape and fit ready to go um, just because of his age. A, a three-year-old would have to do a whole lot more training to be ready for a hot for a strong season than McWicked would. So we're just looking for him to stay sound, stay healthy, keep his weight on him, which with Wicked, anybody that's seen him, that's definitely not a problem. He, at the end of the year, he was uh, he, he was almost classified as a fat horse. He, uh, he definitely doesn't miss no meals, and he holds his weight really well. Um, so he's, like I say, he's just a pleasure to have in the barn because he's such an easy keeper, and he's so easy to train him. It's really uh, a lot of horses, you'll see them near the end of their season. Maybe they're not good shippers or they're hot horses or stressed. They start tucking up, looking skinny they're they're getting sore they're getting lame wicked never does any of that he's so calm and relaxed and uh let's say it, it takes like 45 minutes just to jog that horse because he goes so slow um i remember at the red mile telling my husband to go a mile and 25 with him and he didn't take a training whip with him and he went a mile and 40 and it's all wicked would go he's like i'm not going to start chuck wagon i'm throwing the lines at him and that's what he right. wanted to do and that ended up that ended up being i was mad at the time i was like 240 he, he could a horse could jog that speed and i was mad at the time and that's the week that he went in 46 at the Red Mile, so I guess it didn't really matter much. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. He's, 
w- Wicked pretty much tells us what he wants to do, and uh, he he's he's like say he's eight years old now, so this is j- just keeping him fit and conditioned, and and uh, it's it's pretty easy, really. Casey, one final question before we let you go: what did it, what did it mean to you for uh, Mick Wicked to win Horse of the Year? Uh, it was awesome. Like any, I've never won the Horse of the Year in the U.S. before, so to finally get one good enough to get that done was awesome. Uh, he he also won the Horse of the Year in Canada, and that was my right. third Horse of the Year in Canada. Um, to get it done here in the U.S. was just uh, that was awesome. And there were so many good horses this season. Like I said, there were some undefeated horses, some two-year-olds that were undefeated. Um, and the the Atlanta, she beat the boys uh, in the obviously in the Hambo. Um, Nancy Johansson's filly was just phenomenal. Um, there was a ton of good horses, so. Uh, to be able to be the one that the voters thought was the best, that was pretty special. Well, I have to say that I lo- and I, I didn't see it firsthand. Mike Carter did, but I you saw the pictures online and Facebook and that. I love the McWicked napkins. And you put a picture on Facebook this morning, a couple of minutes before our show started, about uh, McWicked sponsoring the happy hour in the open bar. And I thought that was kind of cool as well. That that sign looks beautiful up, up in your stable case. I got to say. Yeah, I'm actually where I'm sitting talking to you right now. I'm actually staring right at it. And, uh, yeah, it's a great – whoever made that poster, it's a great picture, great sign. So we brought it home and posted it up on the barn here. And uh, it was good enough for Ed James to make all those glasses and napkins. And uh, everybody at the awards got one. And the the man spent 20000 for the open bar for everybody to drink for free at the at the awards banquet. So uh, he did that and then did the glasses and, and napkins. And I tried to round up enough that people were good enough to save me some glasses to bring home and give to my staff here. So we did that, and I give them all some this morning, and uh, hopefully everybody's happy with them. Great stuff. Well, Casey, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Best of luck to you. I know the Harness Racing World is going to be following Mick Wicked for another successful campaign in 2019. Awesome. Thank you. All right. That was Casey Coleman. And, uh, yeah, a lot of good things there, Mike. I mean, you know, we talked about how Foiled again kind of stole the show at the Yushu Awards, but you know what? Listen, McWicked was prominent as well. I mean, with napkins and glasses and the, you know, sponsoring the happy hour and all that. And and I thought that was a really cool thing for the ownership thing for the ownership group uh, Ed James to do is to pluck out that twenty thousand to uh, sponsor the open bar in that, Mike. Yeah, definitely. It's one of those events, Mike, that uh, kind of thrives on sponsorships and needs things like that. And, uh, you know, hats off to those guys for, uh, you know, coming up with the funds for that. And, you know, how about the Horse of the Year announcement in itself? And I know that I was there personally. And, you know, to see everybody high-fiving and clapping and, you know, really celebrating Casey Coleman, um, you know, it, it was just a really cool feeling. You know, Mike, the Ushra Awards and the O'Brien Awards, too. I mean, that's that's another thing that we're going to have to uh, try to get to, Mike, because, uh, you know, we hear such great things about the O'Brien Awards, about the presentations and the speeches and some of the things that go on there. And, you know, these award shows over the last couple of years, and maybe it's just because, you know, because we have the show, maybe we're paying attention to them a little bit more. But it seems like that these award shows have gotten really good. Oh, for sure. For sure they have, <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt. They are a lot of fun to go to. And if you've never been to one, Mike, you got you got to come next year. You really do, if, unless, of course, you're at the Meadowlands. Yeah, well, you know, listen, somebody's got to stay home and, and, and keep things going while, uh, you know, everybody, uh, you know, heads down to collect their awards. You know, what's blue-collar That's guys? Right, you, you know, know? You, you award winners down there, you know. <laughs> right, right. But uh, nonetheless, uh, kind of a um, 
And, uh, you know, you won the Breakthrough Award last year. Yep. Okay. And uh, this year's Breakthrough Award winner, Ray Catola, was unable to come down. And, I, you know, I kind of really wanted to hear his speech. Me too. That's because for it sure. would have been. It would have been a good let him, Maybe we'll have to let him give it uh, on this show one week. Well, he'll he'll probably do it on his own show, won't he? I mean, he's more than welcome to come on here, but you know, <laughs> we'll we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah. That, that, but I was honestly, I was looking forward to that, but uh, so that that was kind of disappointing. But uh, nonetheless, we still got much left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the UST. We going to hear from the new race secretary at the Meadowlands, Scott Warren. And I have to tell you, Mike, I have to tell you that uh, racing over the past couple of weeks in particular at the Meadowlands has been real, real good. And I got to tell you on Saturday, Friday and Saturday, actually, it started, it's starting to remind me of the Meadowlands of old. Where oh, yeah. you've get you've got full fields, a lot of movement, great racing, and good value. Chances to make some really good money. And, and with horses that make logical sense. I mean, you get some of these horses that are ten or twelve to one and, and you know, you look at them and go, Man, I I couldn't have picked this horse with, with your money or my money or whatever. And and then you get ten to twelve to one shots at the Meadowlands and you're like, you know what? That horse figured. For sure it figured. And you know, it's one of those horses that you kinda have to play into it. So the Meadowlands is uh becoming uh really fun to watch. It's always been a fun place to watch for me and I'm excited to hear what Scott Warren has to say about uh heading into the race office. That's right. So we'll have Scott Warren coming up next on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USTA. Don't go anywhere. New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Retrain, rehab, rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. Mike Bozich here, along with Mike Carter for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a wheelchair or scooter? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application. If eligible, you may receive funding. Again, that's pacingforthecure.org. Mike? Are you a harness racing trainer, driver, or owner? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2017 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2018 challenge has begun and wins tally from January 1st to October 31st. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers, trainers, and owners. Once again, that's pacingforthecure.org. 
Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. You're tuned in to the Bet America Radio Network. Host Jason Bean brings you new shows every Monday through Friday. We bring you the best personalities from across the racing world with extensive interviews, commentary, news, games, and more. The Barn is revolutionizing what horse racing radio can be. And you can hear new shows at BetAmerica.com or just search Bet America Radio Network on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. Get in the Barn. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet American, the United States Trotting Association. Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich, and Mike, I tell you, this is one of the guys that helped get me started in the business. Uh, when I uh, first met him, um, he was working with uh, the guys at Rosecroft Raceway. Our man Scott Warren. Scott, what's going on, my friend? Not much, uh, Mike. How are you? Not too bad. Well, listen, let's talk about the new job at the Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment. Uh, uh, I, 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 I'm one of the lucky ones to say, hey, I knew this guy back when, uh, back when uh, the Rosecroft <laughs> days were around. But uh, I'll tell you, you've got to be excited about the new endeavor. Oh, yeah, I'm ecstatic about the uh, working at the Meadowlands. You know, it's uh, like Michael Bozich uh, working Saturday the Meadowlands calling a full card at the Meadowlands. You know, it's the mecca of harness racing. So, you know, growing up as a kid and uh, starting out at Ocean Downs and then going to Rosecroft and then to Vernon Downs to be at the elite track in uh, harness racing, um, I am thrilled with it and hoping to do a great job at it. Well, Scott, this is your first time that you've been on the Post Time with Mike and Mike show, surprisingly three years, and this is the first time. I can't believe this is your first time on the show, but I do have to ask you, take us back a little bit to the beginning. Maybe fans that may not know who you are may be a little bit unfamiliar with with, uh, with you. Tell us about uh, how you got involved in the sport of harness racing in the early days of one Scott Warren. Well, in the early days, growing up as a kid, um my aunt and uncle raced horses at Ocean Downs. Uh, I had a set up my grandparents, their neighbors, raced horses there. So, and plus, my mom and dad would go to the races. So, you know, I was looking for any ride I could to go to uh, Ocean Downs to win the summer meet. Um, I worked for Buck and Bucky Gray down there for a couple summers. And um, the lady that was in the race office, uh, ironically, her last name is Warren Market. Warren, no, no relation. She retired one summer, and uh, Rick Bonacamper gave me a shot to be in the race office. And one of the unfortunate circumstances that uh, getting my first announcing job uh, full-time at the Ocean was uh, a gentleman by the name of Mike Keitel, who was the announcer there. He unfortunately uh, passed away at a young age. And uh, from there, I went to Rosecroft in 1995 as Rick got the uh, gig as the race secretary full-time there. And... uh, that evolved into almost 15 years of combination of race secretary, assistant race secretary, program director, announcer, you know, anything. And then Rosecroft closed in 2010, and I met Jason Settlemore at uh, the Breeders' Crown at the Poconos, and uh, he was asking if I was, you know, still looking for work. And from, you know, there in 2011, I worked at Vernon, and I'm still at Vernon now, 
even with uh, getting the job at Meadowlands. Now, Scott, uh, one big question that I've always wondered, you've done just about every job that there is when it comes to harness racing, whether it be the announcer, the race secretary, the charter, but one unique task that you can do or have the ability to do is chart and announce at the same time. How in the world do you do that? Yeah, well, it wasn't often, but it was done at Rosecroft a few times when we were um, short-staffed. Well, that's, it makes good to have replays. just try to do it as best as I can during the race and uh, calling it, but uh, it's good that you've got the replays and you can go back in the judges stand and uh, review the race and get all the information that you need to uh, do both jobs. Rizzing with Scott Warren. Scott, let's talk about what's coming up at the Meadowlands. Now, obviously, uh, you're getting in you're getting in the water at a really good time because the uh, purse subsidy come through. We're going to see some bigger purses at the Meadowlands, which will mean uh, bigger fields. Really good racing. The racing has just been really good uh, here in the uh, the recent the past couple of weeks, the past month or so. I mean, just a lot of movement. It kind of reminds me of the Meadowlands of old. Handle has been very good. What are uh, some of the things that we can look forward to? Uh, coming up uh, at the Meadowlands here uh, under your uh, reign, so to speak? Well, as you said, it's a good time with the uh, purse ups. They, uh, we increase purses for this weekend, and the next purse increase will come at uh, the end of March. Um, we've got the three-year-old series that are written for April. Uh, nominations close March 15th. Um, I've put a new couple of new classes on the sheet for next week, and, I mean, it's going to be a thing that's going to change from week to week. You know, ideas that I have, maybe input from elsewhere. Um, I've got a couple of things that I possibly uh, looking to do to uh, keep some horses there and maybe get some new horses. Um, really don't want to get into it in too much detail until uh, we've ironed out the, uh, everything with the Jeff and uh, Jason. But I, uh, one of the ones I think is going to be, it'll be unique, something that uh, hasn't been done thus far. Uh, and harness racing, and I just want to go back to uh, you two talking prior to me coming on about the value of the Meadowlands right now. And two horses that stuck out Saturday night. Um, if you watched one of the two from the week before, it was Lion Steel, double-digit odds, and then City Hall. How he went off 21 to one was uh, beyond my imagination. So yeah, there is value at the Meadowlands. Um, hopeful that with the purse increases. As you know, the spring's been uh, trying times for the Meadowlands to keep horses with Poconos opening and with uh, Harris-Philadelphia opening, but uh, hopefully a lot more horses will uh, stay in the entry box and the horsemen will support the Meadowlands because without the Meadowlands, uh, it's a big uh, black eye for harness racing, so hopefully the horsemen will uh, support us. Scott, what kind of things go into being uh, a good race secretary? Obviously, you have to know your horse population and things of that sort, but do you always have to be willing to change, or is it one of those things that you kind of try something for a little while, and if that works, you kind of stick to it? No, you got to be willing to change and, you know, know your horses. And, you know, like at Vernon, I've, uh, you know, done meets with the Miracle Mile. I mean, like this this past meet in 2018, uh, I was uh, one of the uh, so-called uh, guinea pigs that was willing to try the Trackmaster system and, you know, change sometimes for horsemen. Uh, it's something that they don't embrace uh, well, 
but uh, it worked out really well. We had, uh, for w- what I had to work with at Vernon for horse supply, we had uh, competitive races, uh, competitive odds boards. You know, uh, it worked out good. I'm not, it, was it perfect? No, but, it, you know, I, that's the one thing being race secretary, you got to be uh, willing to uh, try stuff. And, you know, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, and that's one of the things I think that, you know, race secretaries really have to dance the fine line because you certainly want to keep the the horsemen happy because they're the ones supplying you the horses. But at the same token, it's very important to keep the betting public happy by, uh, you know, supplying as many full fields as you can and competitive races as you can. And one of the, you know, the, the knocks on harness racing over the last, you know, 10, 15 years or so is that, uh, you know, you get a lot of horses dropping down into easy spots, going off one to nine, two to five. And ultimately that kind of steers away gambling dollars. So, you know, it's, it's dancing that fine line. As a race secretary, Scott, could certainly be tough. Yep, for sure, for sure. And you know, it's uh, the spotlight is uh, even bigger at the Meadowlands because, as you mentioned, about uh, we've had uh, great success thus far in the first couple months of uh, 2019. A few of the nights we've eclipsed the three million dollar mark. So you know, it, it is a combination of uh, trying to keep betters and uh, horsemen happy. So. You know, hopefully, at the uh, end of the day, we can uh, try to do, do the best for uh, everyone. All right, Scott Warren. Well, listen, Scott, we certainly appreciate you joining us. And as people may know, probably more so than your race secretary, but you're one heck of a racetrack announcer. I listen to your voice a lot of times at Rosecroft and Vernon. And uh, we're, we're going to hear the golden voice uh, every now and again, aren't we, Scott? Uh, even though your, your new duties at the Meadowlands may uh, kind of curtail that a little bit. Um, I would hope so. I I will be around, so if they need me to uh, pinch it, I will be uh, more than willing to uh, step into the announcer's box. Fantastic. Well, Scott, we certainly appreciate you joining us, buddy, and uh, best of luck to you at the Meadowlands, man. We're uh, really anxious to see how it turns out. All right, guys. uh, Nice talking with you. All right. That was the brand-new race secretary at the Meadowlands, Scott Warren. And, uh, boy, you're right. He brought up a very good point about – being in this spotlight, I mean, every, you know, listen, everything that the Meadowlands does, every decision that they make, whether it's adding a pick three on their card, um, anything like the, any small decision that they do is just magnified a thousand percent because they are the Meadowlands. Yeah, for sure. It, it's a hundred percent magnified and you know it's one of those things that you know when you're big you know you're the big track it's almost like you're the big driver in say nascar the big player in football all eyes are on you so everything that you do from one side to the other you know it can have an impact on business or can have an impact on handle and so the things that they recognize the things that they do only drive handle and continue to make it go up and go forward yeah, no question. So best of luck to Scott. I mean, I'm sure, listen, he's a really good race secretary, so I'm sure he is going to be able to, you know, put together some great, great cards. But uh, very interesting. He sounds like he's got some innovative ideas. And, uh, you know, you, you look at some of these um, alternate, you know, ways to put together races, like the like the Trackmaster rating system, the ABC system. Um I don't know. It seems like to me that they're really good in theory, but it seems like for some reason, a lot of times it just doesn't work out well on a racetrack, in my opinion. 
Here's the thing. It's one of those things, Mike, that the bigger racetracks with the bigger horse population, it doesn't seem to work out as much. But the ones with the smaller population, let's look at Buffalo Raceway, for instance. Okay. Oh. And I and I and I used to work at Buffalo Raceway. And the horse population there, they have a decent amount of horses. But when you try to classify all of those horses into, say, non-winners of 3,500, non-winners of 4,500, what happens when every horse wins out of the non-winners of 4,500? Then what do you do? Throw them all in the open? So sometimes that ABC classification system does kind of work because then you can kind of try to make the races as competitive as possible. And what do you say to the horsemen? And listen, quite, I think the big thing about being a good trainer and a successful trainer in this business is the classification of horses. So do you take that kind of, you take that strategy away from the horsemen when you do like a general ABC or a, a track master rating system? You can. I mean, that's the that's part of the battle you got to fight. You know, when you do the ABC system, you're taking that classification system out of the trainer's hands. And Mike, let's be honest here. There are some trainers that are amazing at classifying their horses and sure. making sure they go in the right class. Yeah, I mean, look, just go go to the USDA website and look at the top ten trainers. I guarantee all right. ten of them are very good at classifying their horses. But listen, let's be honest. The goal of this thing is to create the most competitive fields that we possibly can for the wagering public. And honestly, that's it. Right. You want the most that's, competitive that's races that are going to draw the best, you know, in my opinion, the best pools and, and, you know, a wide open board, you know, people seem to love it. You can take shots, you can get some prices and have some fun with it. All right. One final timeout, then we'll be back to wrap things up on post time with Mike and Mike presented by bet America and the USDA. Winback Farms welcomes three new stallions in 2019. New to New York, Boston Red Rocks, one of the 2015 Dan Patch Award for two-year-old pacing colts, and a Breeders' Crown champion. New to Pennsylvania, 34-time winner Heston Blue Chip, one of the Dan Patch Awards for three-year-old colt pacers, and a Breeders' Crown champion. Also the sire of the second richest two-year-old Philly pacer of 2018, Zero Tolerance, and new to Ontario, my MVP, a proven sire of stakes winners, including Good Times Trot winner Wolfgang. For more information, go to winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. At Bet America, we don't do promotions only for new players. As a regular player at BetAmerica.com, you can take advantage of several promotions each week. Go to BetAmerica.com slash extra and visit our promotions calendar and find out how you can get double wager reward points on our featured tracks. It's just another reason why it's time to play the Bet America way. And this edition of Post... We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the United States Trotting Association. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. And I'll tell you what, Mike, what a show this has been. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, we've learned some good information, good stuff here from a couple of our guests. Yeah, we certainly did. Hey, listen, whenever you can have a show that you can actually learn stuff, that's good stuff. So, uh, listen, if you miss it or if you – well, if you if you listen to it a little bit kind of sporadically as you were doing something else, maybe on the computer or whatever, make sure you give it a listen again because a lot of good information from our guests here today. All right. We'll see you really back here next Thursday. Mike, we're on the ball. We already have a couple of guests secured for next week. I'm shocked. Uh, we're, not, we're not waiting until Monday to get it done. <laughs> we'll see everybody back here next Thursday. First post, 1030. Good night, everybody. Don't have to go home, but you can't stay.
know.